Well, good morning, everybody. Um, it's so great to see you all and uh, a real joy to be able to share with your morning online service. Um, uh, first of all, can I just say well done, Kings, uh, for keeping everything going. I know there's a lot of people in the background being doing stuff um, and it's just been wonderful just following you from a distance to see how you've done church online, how you stay connected, some of the great practical things that you've been doing through what's, uh, let's be honest, one of the most difficult times that a lot of us have had to live through in our lives. And even now, we don't quite know um, how it's all going to pan out for us. Um, so I just, uh, uh, well done. Across the New Ground family of churches, I've been so encouraged by um, the way that churches have managed to just keep uh, alive and keep doing evangelistic events and doing alphas online and doing food banks and 101 different things. One of the great things that's happened has been uh, that we've been as churches together giving um, generously, amazingly generously. In fact, as I speak to you now, it's it's gone over £200,000 to COVID uh, crisis hit nations around the globe. And I know that you have been playing your part in that as well in a, in a wonderful, wonderful way. So I want to thank you for your generosity. It's literally, literally saving lives um, as these, these finances go to help people in different situations. So a big thank you. If you want to know a little bit more about what's happening across the New Ground family of churches, please, please go to our website. We keep on doing monthly kind of online updates of the churches around and it doesn't take much effort just to press the button and get there. There's blogs and there's information. It's just a real practical way of keeping in touch with uh, the family churches that you are wonderfully a part of. So well done. Um, we miss you. Um, Liz and I particularly just absolutely love every time we come up to Edinburgh to be with you. So we really miss you. We wish we could be with you and we pray like mad for that day to uh, to be released when we can. We'll be shooting up on the first plane to be with you all <clears throat> again, um, to continue the journey that God has started us all on as a, as a family of churches together. I'm also really privileged today to be able to be part of uh, your series of teaching. I think it's kind of coming to an end, actually. Um, <clears throat> and it's entitled, I'm sure you know it really well by now, uh, Acts the New Normal. And um, I'm going to be speaking today about what it's like to be church, an everyday kind of church. What should our expectations be today in the 21st century, even in the midst of COVID? What's God's intention for us as his corporate people? So let me read to you again this passage of scripture. I'm preaching around churches on this all the time at the moment with great delight because I think it's really a very, very uh, vital word for us. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food 
with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I don't know about you, but I've read this scripture many, many times uh, over many decades now. And I find the challenge that comes to me is why is this description of the early church vividly described? Why is it there at all? And and the reason that, that I've asked that question is because sometimes I read I read these verses and I think it's like I'm being mocked personally by them. It, it's it's like, well, here is a dream scenario of what ch- everyday church should be like. And yet surely that's all it is. It's in the imagination. It's in the dream. I understand it literally happened during those days, but it's just mocking me every time. I've never been a part of a church that's really like this. I've been in a church that's had <clears throat> various descriptions uh, that are here outlived, which is wonderful, but not to the extent that I see here. And so I, I, I've, I've faithfully preached it over the years and reached out for this description of church, only to find it's a little bit like a carrot dangling before me that's taken away at the last moment. It's just mocking. Is that what it's there to do, just to, to mock us? Or maybe, and just maybe, it's actually about a church which was only for the first century. And some people have tried to bring that about, the Holy Spirit being poured out upon them, Jesus has been raised from the dead, it was all new and dynamic, and this expression of church is only real for as long as it lasted. And the next generation came along and it all faded away. So it is a description of church, but only for the first century. Why is it in the Bible then? I mean, if that's all it is, just a history book about the past, it doesn't help me in the here and now. I'm not happy with these various ways of looking at this passage. I have become convinced that it's not here to mock us. It's actually here as a model for us. This is describing the kind of church that Jesus is still building in the 21st century. This is describing the church that the Holy Spirit is still filling today. Therefore, all these things that we've read about this morning should be everyday church. It should be normal Christianity. And the reason I don't believe it's just uh, for the first century is because I'm completely convinced it's timeless. Scripture is timeless. All these scriptures we read about are relevant for us today. And that's true of the description of the early church. One of the reasons I feel like that's true is because the context is the day of Pentecost. And we all know that when the Spirit was poured out, in Acts 2.39, you know this verse, well, I'll read it to you, and people were wanting to respond. And Peter says, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone upon whom the Lord uh, shall call to himself. And uh, so therefore, it's, it's, it's intergenerational. It wasn't just for the people who were there. It's for their children and their children's children. And I love this phrase, and for all who are far off. I think Edinburgh is quite a long way away from Jerusalem. And generations have gone. The promise of the Spirit is not just for the first century, but it's for 
actually right up until Jesus comes back again. So can I encourage us this morning that we are still living in the age of the spirit of the day of Pentecost? We are still living in an age where 3,000 people could be saved in one day. We're still living in an age where this description we've read this morning of awe and signs and wonders and people breaking bread together and having meals together and, and enjoying the favour of people and the Lord adding to their number daily, those who have been saved and sharing all their possessions. This kind of dream scenario, which will make such an impact upon cities like Edinburgh, that this is God's expectation, that this is everyday church. This is what you and I should be living in the good of today. I hope you're convinced. You know, normal everyday church in Acts chapter 2 was that they did life together and they did it within community and they did it seven days a week. I've sometimes wondered in these past few months that if COVID had hit Jerusalem in the first century, what difference would it have made to them in their understanding of doing church? A friend of mine recently made the comment that when you read Acts 2, 42 to 47, the only one thing that we cannot do right now is go to the temple. There are expressions of everything else that we can do right now. And I think if it had hit in Jerusalem at that time, they would have said, well, we can't go to the temple. But everyday church would have carried on regardless. Now, some of you are very sharp and you're saying, yeah, but David, at the moment, we can't even do this sort of stuff. It's restricted because the government has said we can't do these things. And of course, we honour that and we need to abide by that. But if you follow me today, I think you're going to see that there is a growing opportunity for us to restore much of what has been missing um, in other situations in the life of the church. You know, uh, for many, sadly, um, going to the temple, which I would describe as in 21st century is going to a building on a Sunday to attend a meeting. For many people, that is what church has become like. We even say, I go to church. If you had bumped into, if, if we bumped into any of these Christians in, the, in Acts chapter 2 and said, are you going to church on Sunday? They would have thought that was the most weirdest question they've ever heard. They wouldn't have even understood the concept. So I want to take us on a bit of a journey this morning to discover or rediscover what everyday church should really be like for us. I have a kind of fear that going to the temple, a building on a Sunday, uh, has been our hope to do everything that's written in Acts chapter 2. And that simply isn't the case. And COVID has been a big pause button on everybody's life, just generally, the whole nation. But it's also been a pause button for us as a church. We have no building that we can meet in. We have no meeting we can attend. What's God doing? I think he's trying to get our attention. One of the things he's getting our attention over is the whole issue of rethinking, reconsidering, readdressing what church is really all about. You'll notice in this passage the mention of homes. I, I'm convinced in the early church, they loved to get together in big gatherings whenever they could, but they carried on with normal life and they did church in their homes. In fact, the phrase church in the home comes 
a number of times in the New Testament. It's not that that's an exclusive expression of church, but it's a very big part, a very big expression of what church really is. Talking to some pastors before lockdown occurred, some of them were saying, you know, they were just getting troubled about what they're building. And some of them were, fe- some of them were feeling, well, it's like I'm building um, a big crowd on a Sunday, or it's about um, people that are attending meetings, but I, they don't want to be discipled. They don't want to be in community or to share their lives. Acts chapter 2 says you can have a gathering at a building, but you also continue to do church in the home. It says here, doesn't it, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It's God's intention that we should do our church life in that kind of way, in homes, over meals, breaking bread in the home, sharing our lives and possessions with one another, discipling, encouraging one another, building each other up, that we should uh, devote ourselves to the teaching, even if that just comes in online. And above all, we should give ourselves to fellowship. And it's this word fellowship that I want to just spend a couple of minutes talking about. What we're describing in Act 2 is a bit messy, spontaneous, uh, informal, because church is not an organization, it's a family, and that's what a family is like. And in the midst of this, we see this, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Fellowship comes from a Greek word, koinonia, and koinonia describes not a social club that you can join, but an experience that you've had. You can only experience fellowship of the Spirit by being born again. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit enjoy koinonia. When you're born again, you're invited to come into that relationship. Isn't that amazing? With Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you begin to experience genuine fellowship in the Spirit. And then koinonia is worked out as you share your experience of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with your brothers and sisters, which results in loving one another, sharing our possessions, doing life together, breaking bread, having meals. This isn't weird first century stuff. This is at the very heart of the gospel and the very heart of what church really is all about. This is what they experience in Acts chapter 2. It's what God intends for us to experience today as well. We're to share in Jesus. We're to share in one another. We're to share in communion and share in our possessions and meet one another's needs and be in an environment where we're real and we're open and we're honest. So can I just put this to you? As these months have gone by, I've realised that not only has COVID-19 robbed me of meeting in a building with my brothers and sisters, it's also robbed me of doing fellowship. Church is what we are. Fellowship is what we do. Now, my heart is this, that over these coming months, and of course, we don't know which way coronavirus will go. But my heart is that over these coming months, we will see an increase of being able to do church in the home. We're already allowed to have two households in our our, um, our houses. In Scotland, it might be a bit different and, and it'll go up and down, ebbs and flows. But I believe it's slowly going to change. 
And it's going to be an opportunity for us to readdress this missing factor of fellowship. And I don't believe God's will is we do it for a season until the building's opened again. Or it's just a fad that we did back in those coronavirus days. But it's actually something God wants to restore to us. You know, over the last 40, 50 years of doing church as a leader, I've noticed this decline away from genuine fellowship because we're all so busy and tied up with so many things. And a slight divergence and movement towards church is all about this meeting I go to on a Sunday. I think that's a a balance that COVID-19 wants to readdress, not just at Kings across new ground or new frontiers, but entire body of Christ. And many, many people are looking at this with fresh eyes and begin to realise this is the will of God. You know, fellowship, as we've just described it, have you noticed you can't do a lot of that online? Online is what it is. It has wonderful blessings. I, I don't know how I would have coped with this if we'd been doing this 20 years ago. So I'm very grateful for online. But it is what it is. One of the things you can't do is a lot of fellowship. Have you noticed that when you used to go to the building on a Sunday morning for a meeting, you didn't do a lot of fellowship there either? Sadly, a lot of us kind of roll into the meeting, maybe a bit late. Um, And there's coffee at the end and we can hang out with friends. But it's not Acts 2, 42 to 47. So the online has limitations for fellowship. Even the building has limitations for fellowship, even when we are all back there together again. Is God saying something to us? I believe he is. Restore everyday church rather than a once a week thing as a seven days a week reality. Church in the home. Returning to church meetings at the moment for many of us is just too restrictive. This might go on for some time to go. I'm praying that we will have opportunities to dive into Acts 2, 42 to 47 and see that become a reality in our lives. And Liz and I, the last few Sundays, the last few Saturdays, actually, have just been fellowshipping with people and breaking bread in our home and getting to know people. It's a wonderful experience. Let's lean into what we can do during this time rather than what we can't. Can I just quickly make one final observation as we come into land? And it's like a bit of a a pastoral bit of me. (laughs) I've observed just recently that there's a kind of new passivity, complacency, uh, a a kind of lethargy. Um, You know, a few months ago, the conversation was, just can't wait till we all get back together again in the building. More and more I'm hearing people saying, do I really have to go and hang out with people? get in my car, drive across Edinburgh, spend some time with some friends. This is a bit worrying. Um, I think I know why it's happened. I'm not a psychologist, but I'm pretty sure I know. And believe it or not, even the Bible has a comment to make on this. So I'm going to close with this verse from Hebrews chapter 10. You'll know it, verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Interesting thing is the word habit in this particular passage. And I think what's happened to us is we've had an imposed 
habit, rightly so, because of coronavirus on our lives. And the habit is you're not allowed to go to a meeting in a building. Guess what? A new habit has evolved. What's that? It's not going to a meeting. And so I've become more and more used, even though I love to be back with the brothers and sisters. Right now, I've cut into this new realm of, of just being in a new habit, which is I'm getting used to being isolated. I'm getting used to not being with the people of God. I find it's interesting here in verse 24, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another. I actually think if you want to do fellowship, everyday church in the home, we need to do a bit of effort. We're going to do a bit of stirring of one another. And it's really vital because I believe that it's detrimental to your physical, emotional, mental and spiritual health not to have fellowship with your brothers and sisters. It's that serious. It's actually affecting us. And so when all this kind of begins to change and restrictions are lifted, I need to stir myself and stir other people. Come on. Let's make the effort. Let's get. And the moment we make that effort, it'll be, wow, this is just terrific. Some people will be very nervous about coming back to big, big meetings. Maybe going to a home with some friends is a good stepping stone to what that will look like in the future together. So here's my final appeal. Stay online as much as you possibly can with all that Kings provides, because Honestly, with its limitations, it's a God-given gift. And it's absolutely vital that we don't drift away from this. Make the effort. Stay online. But understand it has limitations. And one of those is that we can't do a lot of fellowship online. Therefore, my prayer is this, that you in King's Church will start to find creative ways in order to be able to come together and to genuinely have koinonia and fellowship with one another. This is a... A very rough, difficult, tough time for all of us. But God is sovereign and he is in this in as much as he is working out purposes that we cannot even see or imagine. Things that we may have wanted to change but didn't know how to. In his sovereignty, he will make these things happen. I believe it's a moment to be grasped. I believe it's something that is an invitation from God to get back to doing everyday church, just as it was in the Acts of the Apostles. And who knows, even in my lifetime, there may come a day when I'll read that passage and I'll say to to myself, this is normal Christianity. And you know what? If it doesn't happen in my lifetime, it's going to happen before Jesus comes back again. God bless you, Kings. I'm really hoping I see you before too long. Please, please, please keep trusting God and keep believing him for great things amongst you. All I've shared with you this morning is not an internalized word. It's a word about the city, because the moment we begin to live these things out, the city will be affected. Do you know why? Because it's all to do with the presence of God. The more of God's presence amongst us as a community, the more that's going to spell out to those around us. Amen.